Welcome, everybody. Don't know how your Father's Day is going. Mine's going uh, amazing. I got a daughter as a present. And uh, very excited to learn more about the color pink and uh, other girly things. And, uh, you know, so that'll be exciting. But uh, on Friday night at the rehearsal dinner, uh, we gave, Cheryl and I gave some gifts to Michael and Lindsay. And uh, I gave Michael the ring that Lindsay was going to put on his finger on wedding day. And it was the wedding ring that I wore for the first almost 24 years of my married life. And it was my dad's wedding ring. And, you know, dad passed it on to me and then he got a second wedding ring. It's the one I, I now wear. And so I told Michael, I gave him this ring and I said, this ring is 50 years of a, of a hammer husband loving his wife. But I said, so you need to continue the tradition of loving and protecting and honoring and uh, taking care of your wife. So, you know, let it symbolize your vows, but also, you know, let it let it stand for um, what your grandpa stood for, uh, what I've stood for and uh, thrilled for him. And, you know, I think life is that way. Aaron shared about things that he learned uh, from his dad growing up and work ethic and uh, to be tough and to run fast and uh, work fast. Great job, Air Bear. It's awesome. Um, you know, and I was fortunate to have uh, just so many good things put into me from from my dad. And, you know, I think one of Jesus' missions, part of the gospel truth, was not just to bring salvation. And you go, well, what would be more important than bringing salvation? Well, there's, there's nothing more important than the message of salvation. But Jesus wanted so badly to bring an understanding of the Father's love to the lost world. And over in Luke chapter 15, it's where we're going to begin. And, you know, Jesus had lots of crowds of people around him. And in Luke chapter 15, the Bible describes one of these gatherings. And it says in verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. You know, it's it's just not good when you mutter ever. But if your muttering is recorded in Scripture, you know that's really not awesome. But you can still serve as a bad example. And so these guys were a bad example. And they just did not get the Father's love. And so they missed the whole point. So Jesus is having a good time with the tax collectors and the sinners. And we're thankful that Jesus loved hanging out with sinners. Otherwise, we would have never been able to be invited. And so Jesus is hanging out, having a great time. And what are the Pharisees doing? Well, they're, they're doing what Pharisees do. They mutter. And they're like, oh, just, just look at him. He's eating with them. Doesn't he know any better? 
And Jesus like, okay, I've had enough. And he just starts telling stories. And he tells one about a lost sheep and then a lost coin. And then the one we're going to talk about today, the parable of the lost son. And you get down to verse 11. And Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he went out or, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to the father. We're stopped there. So Jesus tells a story to an audience that were currently muttering. They didn't appreciate his friendships. They didn't appreciate the moral fabric of his friends. They thought these are inappropriate people for the Son of God to be hanging out with. He ought to know better. And Jesus says, I got a story. And he said, a man had two sons. He says, the younger one said, give me my share of the estate. Now, I don't know how you feel when you read those words, but I want you to imagine going to your dad while he's still alive and saying, Dad, I would like for you to give me my inheritance right now. You know, maybe the father would say, I'm not dead yet. He says, well, you will be. It's for the Monty Python fans out there. Bring out your dead. You're like, what an inappropriate conversation. You're like, what is this younger son's problem? You've got to be kidding me. You imagine going and telling your buddies, hey, here's a conversation I had with my dad. He came home from work and I said, dad, give me, give me my inheritance right now. Like, oh, that's ridiculous. And even... How he possesses it. Give me my share. Mine. You say, who? Who on earth would ever look at God and all of the time that God gives, all of the money, resources, life, energy, health, talents, who would ever look at God that gives us all of that and say, God, give me my life. Give me what I've earned. It's my life. It's my time. 
my money. It's my work. It's my life, my hobbies. None of us would ever do that, would we? You know, you find yourself in this story right away. And that's exactly why Jesus told the story. We live in an entitled society. And we, we get our relationships all messed up, and we actually start thinking that we're the masters of our own life. That what we have, we actually have because we're so awesome. It was our great education. It was our great work, work ethic. And therefore, I deserve all that I have. You say, well, how, how do you know if you don't get it? Well, because if something doesn't work out, we feel like, hey, what, God, what happened? I deserve this. What's going on here? We live in a society that thinks that way. You know, you look at ad campaigns. Ad campaigns are not motivated by benevolent needs. It's you deserve it. You've worked hard. The pursuit of perfection. I mean, you look at ad campaigns and see what they're catering to. It's this mentality. It's my life. It's my share. Why should I give? Why should I do this? Why do I have to think of others? Why, why, why? Me, me, me. And we're not all that different than the younger son that looks at God, and maybe we say it in prayers, or we think it on the inside, and we're like, God, why, why should I live the Christian life? I mean, you say you love me, so you better give me some good stuff. If you really love me, then my life better be awesome. You know, Jesus knows how the human heart works. And he tells a story purposely to connect with you and me. Give me my share of the estate. You know, what's amazing about it is what we read next. So he divided his property between them. Like if, if you were God, is that what you would have done? If your son or daughter comes to you and says, hey, I'd like my inheritance right now, are you going to go, sure, let me write the check? There you go. Now, the conversation is going to go differently, isn't it? you like, who do you think you are? No. I'm going to spend it all. You get nothing. Not a zip zilch. How about that? No, it's like we're going to react differently. But that's why Jesus is telling the story. Because God said, okay. And right about there, we can all make a mistake in our theology thinking that because God did this, because God allowed it, because God will let us go down a self-centered path, that he's fine with it. That because God did not put up a roadblock, that it must be okay. 
No. I don't think God ever felt good about it. But he said, okay. He says, not long after that. So there was, there was a period of time of gathering together all your stuff. And it says, then he went off for a distant country. And there squandered his wealth in wild living. Again, Jesus chose his words very carefully. And because it stands out, squandered his wealth in wild living. And you say, what would be, you know, what would all be encompassed with squandering wealth in wild living? Well, everything that you could imagine. But self-centered living goes into this category. Because God didn't give us his wealth to squander it on ourselves. God gives us resources to do his work. And yet the son goes off and squanders it in wild living. I say, well, what happens? After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Doesn't that statement hit you like a ton of bricks? But you know what? When God gives us his resources, we never think, oh, that there's going to be a famine. You know, saving for tomorrow is just not a fun concept when you can spend it now. I mean, God's given me this. He's given my time. He's given me resources. He's given me money. He's given me talents. It's like, why hang on to any of that for tomorrow? No, use it now. Live life to the full. Look out for number one. Oh, tomorrow's going to be fine. And then there's a famine. You say, what's a famine? It's whatever goes on in your life that is so severe, it's beyond your control, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. That's a famine. And then you go through that, and the Bible says he began to be in need. Say, where are you at this morning? Any needy hearts? You know what's amazing about this whole story is that he's now in need. And now as a Jew, you know, feeding pigs is just not the ideal job. My, my uncle had a hog farm. He had about 400 hogs. Um, you know, and this may sound weird to you, but hog poop smells really bad. You may think, well, all poop smells really bad. No, there's different smells. Dealing with pigs in general when you, you know, are a Jew not allowed to eat or touch pigs is also a very humbling situation. But, you know, famines lead us to places that we just go, I never would imagine in a million years that I would be doing this. And then it says powerfully, 
when he came to his senses. He said, why did Jesus say when he came to his senses? Like, do you think he was clued out? He just didn't understand? Exactly. You know, we are so well educated. We know so many facts. We know so much knowledge. I mean, you know, the Internet's amazing. I don't know how you are, but one of the things with the Internet is sometimes I just think things. And I just wonder. Like, well, I wonder... Like, how big is this country? And I go, you know what? I can check instantaneously on the Internet. Just inconsequential facts. You can, you can know that immediately. And yet with all the body of knowledge that we have, we can be completely clued out spiritually. And this young son was. And the Bible says, when he came to his senses... Well, what made sense to him after this happened? He saw what he had with God. He saw what God offered. He saw the lifestyle around those who worked for him. And he said, what am I doing? He said, you know, I should go back and just ask to be like one of the hired men, and that would be better than this. He goes, that would be awesome. You know what? When we understand the love of the Father, we live differently. You know what? He was still out there starving to death, but he had a whole different understanding. And see, once you have the right understanding, then you take the right actions. But he said, I'm going to go back to my father and say, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. Now, remember how the story started. Give me my share of the estate. And God said, okay. Would you have the courage, the confidence, and the humility to make that journey back home after those events. You see, it's the journey back home of why Jesus is telling the story. And go ahead and mark this spot in Luke 15 and turn over to Hebrews chapter 4. In Hebrews chapter 4, The writer of Hebrews is talking about how amazing Jesus is, that he's this awesome high priest that's going to intercede before God on our behalf. And then you get down to verse 12 and 13 in chapter 4, and it talks about how the Word of God, it it cuts deep, and it's living, and it's active, and it uncovers our life before God, and we're, we're exposed, and we're uncovered and laid bare, and we're going to have to give account You know, that there's going to be a coming to our senses. And that the Word of God can bring that about, that we read the Bible, and it will make clear to the human heart where we're at and what truth is. And you go, wow, you know, that's going to be really difficult. You know, kind of like the younger son that experiences that famine. And he goes, "What, what am I doing? And then it says... In verse 15, 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He said, what an amazing passage of Scripture. Because when you come to your senses, when you come through that famine and you realize what you have with God and maybe the decisions that you've been making and they don't match up and it's been wrong and it's been sinful and inappropriate, the last thing you feel like is, man, I'm just going to go and give God a big hug and everything's going to be okay. No, that's not what we think. We're like, oh, I'm in big trouble. God is so mad at me right now. The lightning bolts are waiting. I'm going to get a big speech. I'm going to get an extra long lecture. I'm going to get an I told you so. He's got his arms folded. No way. I'm, I'm, that's the last place that I'm going to go. He says, no, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence to receive mercy and find grace. You know, one thing I love about the younger son is that when he came to his senses, he also knew that he had that open door to go back to his father and get the relationship right. He trusted in his dad's character and what would be available to him. He says, all right, here's the talk that we're going to have. Here's what I'm going to tell him. Because, man, I've just really messed up, and I've got to clear up this situation. In verse 20, it says, He got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion and ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. I love that picture. And Jesus told it precisely because he wanted you to know that the father was looking for the son to come back. That even though he'd written the check, even though he'd given the inheritance, even though he knew, hey, I have no idea what that young son of mine is going to do. I believe there will be a day. Maybe it'll be an afternoon. Maybe it will be nighttime. But where he's going to see, where he's going to understand. And he's going to make his way back home. The Bible says, Jesus said, when he saw him while he was still a long way off. You do not see somebody a long way off unless you're looking a long way off. And Jesus said, here's the father's heart. He didn't wait on the porch. He ran to him. He was so fired up. And the son begins his speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father interrupted him. He said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. A ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. To have a feast and celebrate, for the Son of Mine is dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. God interrupted his son's speech. 
Because, see, the speech was, you know, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. God didn't let him even get to that part. He said, yeah, I've heard enough. Let's, let's have a big party. It's the heart of God. He's so excited. Why? Because God's big picture was his son that was dead is now, now alive. I've got him back. The relationship's there. And the father was fired up. So as they killed the fattened calf, not a salad. I'm just saying when God is fired up, he ate beef. Don't be hard-hearted, the Word of God. That, that's in there. Jesus told that. He's told that. Verse 25. Remember, Jesus said there were two sons. You know what's amazing is that really the point of the story isn't even the first son. It's the second. It says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come home, he replied, and your father killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. His father went out and pleaded with him. He answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and you never and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So why did Jesus tell the story? Remember where we started? Jesus was having a good time. He was eating with tax collectors and sinners and the Pharisees muttered. Who, who are the mutterers? It's you and I when we lose sight of our relationship with God and we give way to bitterness and resentment and we start looking at our commitment to the love of God as obedience and slavery and I had to do this and it's my duty and here's what you make me do and I've never even gotten a young goat. I've been a Christian for this long. Look at my life, and you don't give me this blessing, and you don't give me this one, and somebody else is enjoying all kinds of good things, but you're not fired up. You're mad. God did that for him. <laughs> and you miss the point. I mean, what did God tell him? He says, all I have is yours. You know, it's like one son is so inappropriate. He's, he's like, hey, give me my share of the estate. The other one actually has the entire estate. And is like, I'm just slaving for you. That'd be like, I'm working hard, but you're the owner of the company. 
They're like, well, you do own it. He's like, son, all I have is yours. There were only two of you, and I gave him his, so everything left is yours. It's already yours. You know, God sent his son to die on the cross that you and I can inherit salvation. And yet what's Satan try and do? He wants to sow the seeds of bitterness and resentment to get your eyes off the Father and start talking like this. You know, the Father went out to meet both sons for very different reasons. One of them was coming home. He'd come to his senses, full of gratitude. He'd realized what he'd given up. The other one was home the entire time, but had no idea what he had. Say, what is your mentality this morning about God? How do you feel about Him? Do you have to pray? Or do you want to? Do you got to read His Word? Do you got to obey it? Because if not, you're going to get in trouble. Or do you want to? Because He's so amazing. Why wouldn't you? Do you see what you have? Or are you bitter about what you don't have? See, Jesus told the story so that you and I could connect. He didn't say three sons. He didn't say two sons and a daughter. He said, he said just two. Because you're going to find your heart in there somewhere. And the question this morning is, have you come to your senses? How is your relationship with your Father in heaven? You know, most of us get our view of God from our earthly dad or the male role model in our life. And we can subscribe to God the same weaknesses, sins, and hurts. So much so... That we miss the love of God. And just like the Pharisees, here's Jesus having a good time. And all they can think to do is mutter. And Jesus tells a story because he says, Man, I, I just want you to understand the love of the Father. You know, their view of God was that a righteous holy man shouldn't spend any time with sinners. Of course, completely missing the point that they were sinners. Jesus telling the story this morning to you. It's Father's Day. We have an amazing Father in heaven. What's He want you to know? How much He loves you? How much He's in your corner? How much He has what's best in mind? You say, well, I'm off on a wayward journey. I, you know, I limped on into church here, but I've been out more in the squandering department lately. He still is looking every day for you a long way off. He's got open arms. You know what? You start making the journey home, he'll run to you. He won't make it tough. Yet too often, we can be a regular church attender. We can regularly read our Bible. 
and be completely disconnected from the love that God has for us. So what stage of the journey are we? Which son do we identify with? Are we connected with a father that says, hey, just approach the throne of grace with confidence. Because i got a whole bunch of mercy and forgiveness and grace that I want to give you. You say, well, I've had a really bad day. God's like, well, then i got extra. You know, God doesn't give just enough. He's got lots. God says, there's a party waiting to be happening. But he gives us the freedom to make decisions that will take us to a distant land. But he's got arms waiting for the journey to come back to him. Say, what will it mean for your life? As you leave today, you'll continue on your journey. Remember the words of Jesus. Why did he tell the story? So that we would all be in our right mind. You ever had anyone tell you, you are out of your mind. You have lost your senses. You know, that's really kind of the point of the story when it says when he comes to his senses, that means he lost them before. You know, there's just times in life that that's where we're at. We're just clued at. We've, we lost it. We lost our senses. We're good, we're good people, but we made dumb decisions. And she says, all right, you can find them again. And then come on back. God's an amazing father that created you exactly the way you are. He's so proud of you. And he loves you on your best days and on your worst days. And I pray for each one of us to end up safely at home with the father. Connected and in our right mind with the right understanding of the love that the Father has. On Father's Day, you know, as we celebrate with fattened calves all over Santa Clarita, we'll connect with the Father. Be thankful for our earthly dads, but be thankful for God Almighty that made you and wants to have a relationship with you. Let's enjoy the holiday today. Let's give honor to God Almighty who loves us as the perfect dad. Amen? Amen. Let's stand on up and close in a prayer.